This is RJ Carbone, and you're listening to BD4. Anthony for three. Bang! That one goes this down. one by Mattingly. Oh, hang on to the RJ Barrett does it again from downtown. He is just tearing the Orioles apart. It's good. It's good. Randall gets the bounce, and he ties the game. Houston ducks under. Got it. Six in a row, six in a row, swept the last two series now. Listen, I'm going to get this one out of the way so we don't have to uh, spend five minutes acting like, you know, jackasses. I, I understand that this is the Indians. I understand that this is the Baltimore Orioles. Okay. But I'm going to give them their credit when they deserve credit because of how much I criticize them when they're not doing well. So it would be wrong for me to sit here and, again, crap on the Yankees when they're down and then as soon as they get hot just go with oh well they're supposed to do that like that's not the I'm going to give credit where it's due so I'm not going to sit here and say oh it's the Orioles oh it's the Indians don't care don't care don't care doesn't count this and that it's not impressive but it's 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 a positive it's something that I can sit here and enjoy. It's okay to enjoy a six-game win streak with two sweeps, despite it not being against top-notch teams. So I wanted to get that out of the way first. Okay, so I get it. I understand it. Um, but that said, good series. Great, great, great way to rebound. Um, and it's not just six in a row, but it's... You know, uh, I think nine of their last ten, is it? I know they won their last three series. So that happened. The Yankees swept the Baltimore Orioles this week. And now they will go on to play Kansas City. Again, not a great team. Most likely a bottom feeder who we should be able to take on. But welcome to the show. Welcome to episode 361 of the podcast. Welcome to BD4. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. If you are new here to the show, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. You can find us on many platforms. BD4 is available to listen to on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Anchor, Google Podcasts. You can also listen to us and watch us on Spotify. And you can watch us on YouTube. Plenty other platforms to listen to us on. Um, If you want to follow me, on social media. Also, be sure to download these episodes too. This way, if you download the episodes and you're on the go, you can listen to them without wasting your data. Um, speaking from experience here. <laughs> Going over your data limit is never fun. Um, you can also follow me on social media. I'm on Facebook at RJ Carbone, r.j.carbone. And I'm on Instagram at Rob J. Carbone. 
And lastly, um, if you want to follow any of my content where I write Knicks and Yankees content, I write on ultimatesportsnetworks.com. Go there. Put into the search bar either my name, RJ Carbone, or you can put into the search bar the Bomber Bocker blog, which is the name of my blog, and be sure to subscribe using promo code 6A2841ERJC. This way you get 10% off everything. We're gonna I'm gonna try I'm trying to like figure out what's going on because I'm blocked out from that website at the moment. I, I tried reaching out to the CEO. I don't know. So that's why I haven't been active there recently. But we'll figure it out and we'll let you know when we do. But um yeah, we're gonna head to our first break and when we get back we're gonna talk Yankees. I'm on a good run right now with the betting and I, I don't know if I want to start off with RJ's parlay or wait till the end. I think we'll wait till the end. Because I got some good things to talk about. Knock on wood, too. But it's halftime right now, and I'm watching this Utah Jazz Dallas Mavericks game. It's halftime as I speak. Um, 5350, 5341, Utah up. So that don't look good for the over, and I have that for this game. <laughs> right when I said I'm on a roll. Um, so, yeah. Welcome to the show, episode 361 of the podcast. Welcome to BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. We also do MMA now, too. Yankees every series, Knicks every game, MMA on the weekends. We'll have another MMA, probably a preview, either a preview or a recap on the upcoming UFC 274 card, which is next weekend. Um, but as I speak, it's April 28th. It's Thursday, April 28th, 11 p.m. as I am currently recording. So once this episode is live, once I drop it, it should be Friday, April 29th. Which, speaking of betting and everything, you know, one of the picks I made when we had Dom, I think Dom came on the show before the season, one of the picks I made with him was that the Yankees would sign Brett Gardner by May first, so uh, I don't know about I don't know about that one. It's looking like I may miss that one, which is a good thing because I'm glad we didn't. But at the same time, it's like you know what, Brett Gardner over Joey Gallo ain't looking too bad right now. Um, so let's head to our first break. When we get back, we will not waste any further of your time, and we'll get right into the uh, the Yanks Orioles sweep. Stay with us. Be right back.
All right. So let's get to it. Let's talk about it. The Yankees sweep the Orioles in a three-game set this week. They were off Monday. Began the series Tuesday. Finished up this afternoon on Thursday. Game one on Tuesday. The Yankees won 12-8. to um, Luis Severino going up against Jordan Lyles. Bottom of the third inning. The Yankees cracked the board first where Anthony Rizzo, and we'll get to him a little later in the show, hits his first of three home runs on the night in the bottom of the third. 3 nothing Yankees. Bottom of the fourth comes. Joey Gallo hits his first of the season. Finally gets the monkey off his back. It makes it 4 nothing Yankees. Yankees push that to 6 nothing in the bottom of the 5th when Rizzo goes yard again. Gets a little interesting in the top of the 6th, the next half inning, when Anthony Santander gets the 3-run bomb to cut it in half, 6-3. Top of the 7th comes, and uh, a little more interesting when uh, Urias... Gets the RBI single to score. Rootnet Odor, former Yankee. Makes it 6-4. Bottom of the 7th, though. Giancarlo Stanton. Coming off the double-off day. Gets the RBI single. Glaber Torres with the bases loaded. Clears the bases with a triple. It's 10-4 Yankees. Top of the 8th comes. Again, the Orioles not going away. Trey Mancini, a base hit to score a run. And then the big blow by Austin Hayes, three-run home run, making it 10-8, to eight, Baltimore down by two. Bottom of the eighth comes, though, and the Yankees assure to win this game. When Judge goes yard and Rizzo goes yard, they go back-to-back together. It's 12-8 Yankees. They finish it out with the win. Luis Severino started that game, and he looked really good. He looked phenomenal for a while. Now, he finished with his final line, six-plus innings, three hits, four runs, two doubles, I'm sorry, two walks, uh, five strikeouts, and one home run. He threw 77 pitches, 65% of them were strikes. <clears throat> um, yeah, I'd say what, Luis looked very sharp for a while. Um, I was going to put him as the featured starting pitcher of the series. Um, but I didn't just because the line, the final line, as you just heard, did not really look good. Um, I probably should have, though, because I really liked his performance for a while. You know, he had a perfect game going. Then my buddy Greg from Yankee Crazy Podcast, who was also on the show before this season, he texted me about that. And I'm like, dude, you're the one who mailed me a book talking about the juju rules and how to how to win a game from your couch and you're the one to ruin the perfect game after texting me i was like wow that was pretty shocking thanks pal and then not long after that my brother sammy goes oh well at least he still got the no hitter um or was it was it no hitter and then sammy texts me or talks to me about the shutout i think that's what it was greg ruins the no hitter and then sammy's like well at least you got the shutout working or something like that it might have been no. It might have been perfect game, then no hitter. I don't remember, but but I, then he brings it up, and I and it, that ruins when when Santander or I'm sorry, I'm I'm used to Santander because that's what he used to be a couple years ago when Santander 
gets the home run. And there you go. The shutout's gone too. And just like that, it's it's four runs against Sevy's line. Um, so he doesn't look like, it doesn't look like he pitched very well. But he did pitch into the seventh. And that was so nice to see. The changeup looked very filthy. And it looks very good overall this season. He's got confidence in it. He's throwing it. That is a pitch he never used to throw. It was his tertiary pitch. But now it's looking good. And again, it's great to see Sevy finally have an outing where he goes six plus innings. He pitched into the seventh. That's good. He's now 2-0 on the season with a 3.32 ERA. That's fine. If he can pitch to an ERA around there all season, I would run with that. I would take it for sure. So I really like what I saw from Severino. And um, yeah, we're going to talk about the offense. Um, I thought the offense was good. Obviously, it was good. Um, you scored 12 runs on 13 hits. You walked twice, nine strikeouts, three for nine in scoring position, and you hit five home runs. Very strong performance. The one to four hitters in the lineup all had two plus hits. Um, Jordan Lyles w- was kind of due for a bad outing. He had gone two consecutive starts with very good performances. Well, that's 10 in a third innings pitched. And his last two starts heading in with just one run against him. So he was due for a clunker, and the Yankees gave it to him. Got him out early, and then they took uh, took advantage of that bullpen. So that was pretty much game one. We'll get to game two as soon as we get back from break. Stay with us. Be right back. Hey, guys. So I've noticed that only a small portion of you who watch BD4 on YouTube are actually subscribed. So if you do enjoy this podcast, and maybe you want to be notified when new episodes release, I'd consider subscribing and also hitting that notification bell. This way, we can help the channel grow, and you won't miss a single episode of BD4. Alright, let's get back to it. Welcome back to the show. You're listening to episode 361 of BD4. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. Thank you for tuning in. Wednesday night, game two of the series, the middle game. The Yankees make it five in a row in a 6-2, or I'm sorry, in a 5-2 victory. You had Montgomery going up against Wells. Bottom of the first inning. Yankees score early. That's how their offense thrives. When they score early, they usually win. Stanton snaps his, I think it was a 14-game homerless streak with a home run to right center for number 350. 2-0 Yankees. Top of the six. We go scoreless for a little while after that. Top of the six comes. And it's Santander with a home run again. 2-2. Bottom of the six, the Yankees answer back, and it's Stanton again, this time with the sack fly, scoring LeMayu, and it's 3-2 Yankees. Bottom of the seventh, Joey Gallo, again homers, his second in a row, second of the season. IKF later in the inning scores on a wild pitch from former Yankee prospect Dylan Tate. It's 5-2 Yankees, and they go on to win. I thought... um, I thought it was a good outing 
a very strong outing um, from Montgomery. He goes 5.2 innings pitched, four hits allowed, two runs, no walks, four strikeouts, a home run, 71 pitches, and 70% were strikes. He was pulled early, honestly. Um, you could see he was annoyed with it. He kind of puts his hands out to you know try and stop Boone from coming out. He was very annoyed with it. Um, took it to the dugout with him. He's always I like the I kind of like the little bit of an edge that he shows. He's always had a little bit of an edge. If you see his, some of his mannerisms and body language on the mound, and if you hear him talking these post game pressers, he's got a little flair to him, a little uh, edge, a little intensity, and I like it. But yeah, I, I thought for some reason like Jordan Montgomery, it's always felt it always feels like he gets a very short leash. He's like he's he's pulled a lot earlier than a lot of other guys in the rotation are for some reason. I always feel like he's limited. But he's been so solid. And this year especially, he's been really solid. I mean, I've grown on Montgomery. Or he's grown on me um, more and more each year. He is. Um, you know, I've always said that he's this guy who goes out there and you kind of know what you're getting from him. Right? Usually it's five innings, two runs, six innings, three runs maybe. But this year, maybe it's a little bit better. Maybe we can get a little better than that. We're getting some really productive outings from Montgomery. So I like what I'm seeing. And you know, he's limiting traffic on the bases this year. That's huge. 20 innings pitched altogether. Just 14 hits and 5 walks. So that doesn't even amount to the same amount of innings pitched when you combine the walks and hits. He's got a .95 whip on the year. At a 2.70 ERA, so I love what the Southpaw Montgomery is doing. The only thing that sucks when it comes to Montgomery is that he doesn't get run support. Man, he got no run support all of last season, and you know, in Game Two of the series, sure the Yankees, you know, they got the two early runs, but that was all for him. They didn't score for him the rest of the way. As soon as he was pulled, then they finally score. But um. Yeah, it's a shame. It is. But, uh, yeah, he. other than that, I thought he was great. Michael King continues to be near-perfect, phenomenal. Clay Holmes, also very good. Filthy. Both of them amazing. King is so versatile. Goes out there, and he's, like, filling the role of Luis Sessa, but he's actually good. He's young and promising, where he's going out there and giving you multiple innings. And he's doing it. In good spots, like in, in you know medium to high leverage spots. Um, in Holmes, you know, after a rough start to open up the season for himself, he he finds it and he looks very good. That sinker's good. He throws hard. They both got a sinker, two seamer in there. So I love what they're doing. They came in and, and they did their jobs. And the offense, the lineup was very strong in this one. Um, I, I was a little. <coughs> excuse me. You know, I was a little, um, what do you call it? Oh, no, that was for, that was for game three. I was going to, I was going to talk about the bottom of the order, but that was for game three. Never mind. uh, We'll we'll talk about that later. This wasn't the punt lineup. The punt or the semi-punt lineup was game three. Uh, But this one, the the Yankees score five runs, um, eight hits, 
two walks, nine strikeouts, 0 for 4 in scoring position, but they did have two home runs out, outside the uh, three other hits. Um, but a good win, and then we get to game three of this series, which again was this afternoon. And the Yankees picked up the sweep, their second consecutive. The Yankees win this game 10-5. to It was Jamison Tyone going up against Zimmerman. Again, like I said, it felt like a punt game. A punt game, not gonna lie. Um, you know, the lineup was semi-punty. Uh, the, the the energy, the vibes, kind of seemed off early. Like a day game on a Thursday, it was kind of quiet. You saw Tyone laboring early. He was in trouble. Escapes at one time, but then he lets up two runs in the second and third. Two nothing Orioles after that. You know. I was worried. I saw LaCastro, Gonzalez, and Higgy, 7-8-9. I was like, oh, no. We couldn't go Miguel Andujar there. He had a righty on a lefty. He couldn't take one of those spots. But they actually end up producing. The three of them go three for eight with a couple of walks and two RBIs. So they get on base in 50% of their plate appearances. 500 on base with a 7-8-9 in game three. So they actually produced. And then the Yankees woke up. After after the tie-on, so, uh, tie-on slow start. Because Gonzalez doubles in the fifth. That scores a run. And then you get three consecutive RBI singles from your top gun. Your top uh, bombs. Bats. Uh, you get Rizzo and RBI, or Judge and RBI single. Followed by a Rizzo RBI single. Followed by a Giancarlo Stanton RBI single. And it's 4-2 Yankees just like that after five innings. Bottom of the six comes... Marwin Gonzalez again with an RBI, a sack fly, 5-2. Bottom of the seventh, Yankees keep scoring. Donaldson, line drive, base hit to left field, it's 6-2. And then the eighth, they scored one, two, three, four consecutive innings. Um, a runner scores from third on a pass ball or a wild pitch. And then Judge, the very next pitch, takes it deep for a three-run shot. It's 10-2 Yankees. Top of the ninth, yeah, you know, Marinaccio does struggle a bit. He ends up getting optioned after the game. Uh, but the Yanks pull up, pull away with the win when Lucas Litke comes in. Um, Tyone goes four and two-thirds. Seven hits allowed, two runs, a walk, four Ks, no home runs, 83 pitches, 66% were strikes. He was whatever, not his greatest outing. But again, if that's what you're getting from Tyone when he's not on, fine with it. Miguel Castro looked good. That slider is filthy. I like him in his role right now where we're not going to try and stretch him out. We tried that once. Didn't work. Um, And I I would like to keep him in these lower leverage situations um, against bottom tier teams. That's fine with me. Just, you know, he can be our Adovino. One inning, you know, modern leverage. Or more, um, not modern. What's the word? Modern it, leverage. Yeah. Uh, Peralta was fine after that. Lasagna finally got it together. You know, he's not been very great this year. Yeah, we always, we're, we're giving a lot of praise to Michael King. He's kind of this year's lasagna, breaking out. Um, but Lasagna did look very good in this one. Looked more like himself with one and a third innings pitched. Struck out three, allowed just one guy to get on base. And then from there, again, Green comes in. He does fine. 
Marinaccio struggles, and then Lickie gets the uh, the close. Offensively, the Yankees score 10 runs on 10 hits, 4 walks, 9 strikeouts, and they were 6 for 15 in scoring position. One home run, but that was a tack on. So the way they scored their runs in this game was what you want to see more often. right? Um, now, they did get some help from the Orioles, making 5 errors. <laughs> they were a terrible team. Um, but... Again, 10 hits, 4 walks. Got to give them credit there. So, the Yankees sweep. They sweep the O's. They do what they need to. And we're going to talk a little bit more about this series when we return from break. Stay with us. Be right back. So, if you guys want to follow me on social media, be sure to do so right now. I'm on Facebook at RJ Carbone, and I'm also on Instagram at Rob J Carbone. Once again, if you want to find me on Facebook, that is RJ Carbone. Instagram at Rob J Carbone. Welcome back to the show. You are listening to episode 361 of BD4. Thank you for joining us. Um, So we know the pitching has been great. We know the pitching has been great all year. So there's no real need to go over the pitching. We also know the defense has been solid all season, right? Only four errors on the year. Now I know, you know, that doesn't tell a whole story anymore. You got the stats, this and that. Um. there's a new like outs above average every year defensive run save. There's a new this that. There's always a new defensive metric to follow like as a baseline every year. So I know we got all that errors. Don't really tell the whole story anymore. But what they do say is that we are making the routine plays defensively. And to me, that's all we were asking for, right? We always get on the Yankees for their lack of fundamentals, and really defensively they've been fine. They're making the right plays. Um, I'd even go as far as to say they're a little above average this season, um, just judging by the eye test. And also, talking about fundamentals, they're they're running the bases pretty well. Uh, we've had a couple of hiccups, but like they're they're stealing bases. They've got 11 stolen bases, which puts them into the top 10 at the moment. And yes, Network, yes, Network showed a stat, and I wish I screenshot it or something, but it was a stat pretty much comparing last season's stolen bases up until All-Star break, and it was like equal to the amount they have right now. It was something like that. Something like comparing, you know, the stolen bases and, you know, showing how much more we're, we're taking this year. So we're running the bases well. We're playing better defense. But I really want to talk about this lineup because during this six-game win streak, all right, not just this past series against the O's, but during this six-game win streak, it's seeming it's, it seems to be that this lineup is finally coming along and um, meeting the pitching where where they are. Right. First of all, the batting order it's finally consistent. Right. One to five remains the same. Even seven, eight, nine now. Um, six to nine now. Pretty consistent. The lineup is is there. It's it's guys are finally in some role. We're establishing some roles. Guys know where they are going to hit, 
who is going to be hitting in between them or outside of them, rather. And that's huge. And, and I think, you know, during the first two weeks or so of the season, it was more the Yankees trying to experiment using that as an extra spring training, um, which I don't agree with, but that's just my estimate. Donaldson leading off, Hicks leading off, uh, you know, certain guys in certain other spots. But this lineup, the way they're hitting over the last six games is is what you want to see more. Because, yeah, they have 14 home runs during that span, which leads baseball. But also leading baseball during this six-game win streak um, over the last seven days is their 300 batting average, their 930 OPS, um, their 46 runs scored, which is an average of 7.6 per game, and a 313 batting average with runners in scoring position. You love the fact that they're hitting the ball. They're not just slugging. Now, I don't really want to use the term indicator because I don't really think this is an indicator of anything. The way their lineup is constructed, I think they are they are who they are. But, you know, as far as the regular season goes and trying to get a big lead in the division, no matter how early it is, it's good to, you know, Contact is good. Contact is never bad. All right, so I'm never going to get mad at the Yankees for um, hitting home runs, but I I get mad at it when it's the only thing they tend to do. And in seeing them go on stretches like this, where they're finally stringing together some hits, and especially today, that one inning, like I said, three consecutive singles to score a run. We're bunting more this year. Um, we're stealing bases and playing defense. It's like the fundamentals are a little bit better at the moment. So that's nice to see. Um, Anthony Rizzo. Let's talk about him because he's one of the featured players of this series. He's been fantastic. Um, this series, Rizzo goes 6 for 13. Uh, he has two singles, a double, and three home runs. Obviously, that was in game one. Seven RBIs in the series. Uh, just one strikeout, which came in his final at-bat of the series. And one walk. He's currently third in the MLB and uh, with 19 RBIs. I think he's third also in OPS. It's over a thousand. He's having a good, good year. Okay, he's having a good season. That three home run game was ridiculous. It was awesome. I was going nuts in the garage watching it. Uh, two of them were porchers. All right, and he was kind of confused on that last one. It was kind of like, oh, welcome to the Yankees. You're here, pal. <laughs> these these are going to happen as a lefty in this stadium. Now, let me get something out of the way. I want to talk about you know when we talk about the short porch. Let's let's get something out of the way real quick. Um, first, I want to head to break really quickly. When we get back, I got some things to say. Stay with us. So BD Four is on so many platforms to listen to. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud. You can listen to us on Spotify. You can find us on our sponsor, Anchor, and many other listening platforms as well, wherever you get your podcasts. But we are also available to watch on YouTube. So if you want to watch us on YouTube, go subscribe there. But if you prefer to listen to us, again, many many, many listening platforms. 
just be sure to subscribe, download, give us a rating, a review, comment, share the podcast, and all that fun stuff. This is BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. All right, let's get something out of the way about the short porch. Okay, we have to understand some things here. Like, okay, I'm going to try to put this as short, you know, summarize it as best as I can, because I can really go on forever. So I'll just keep it to two things, okay? If you're going to sit there and cry, complain, whine, whimper about the short porch... For one, it counts. It counts, okay? Period. So it does nothing to sit there and do all that. Because at the end of the day, it counts. And nobody is going to remember it when the game's over. It counts. The complaining, the crying, the whining, the whimpering is not going to remove the home run. Is not going to hand the Yankees a loss. And, and the thing that annoys me, it's like... It's not like Rizzo was some 10 home run, you know, singles hitter before he came to the Yankees. Look at his numbers in Chicago at Wrigley Field. He was a consistent 25 to, I don't know, 33 home runs a year guy for an entire decade over there with the Cubs. So that's another thing, all right? It's, it's one of those things. It's like, it doesn't get you anywhere. Also, I don't even think I brought this up. The other team is also in the same stadium. So every time you're going to complain about the Yankees getting bailed out by the shore porch, well, they have to pitch in that thing too. So if you're going to discredit them all, every hitter, for hitting a home run that's 314 feet plus, then make sure you give extra credit to every pitcher in the stadium. And maybe, if we're going to play this game, when Garrett Cole gives up a home run to somebody from Boston that's in the short porch, I'll say, oh, it doesn't count. Let's see how Boston fans will take that. Or, or, you know, maybe the uh, Astros fans. Like, it's, it's insane to me how that's a thing. It's still a thing we have to talk about. It's still a thing. It's crazy. But um, I want to talk about Rizzo, man. Because, yeah, that was an awesome game from him. And, and he continues to have a really, really good season so far. And his high IQ, to me, that's everything. That's everything. Yes, we talk about it all the time. How it's his ability to make consistent contact with the ball that really um, has me become a fan of him. Like That's why I love him is because he's a lefty with pop, but he's also a lefty with contact, right? And those guys are dominant in Yankee Stadium. Lefty power hitters who can make contact are perfect, and he's perfect. But it's the adjustments to me. It's the attention to detail. And I don't know if I... um. 62-56, 62-56, midway through the third in this Utah-Dallas game. I don't know if I, um... I don't know if anybody else saw it, uh, but there were some really great breakdowns. Two separate segments by DeRozan on MLB Network 
and um, John Boy on his YouTube channel about Anthony Rizzo and his timing mechanisms and and all that stuff. So check both of those clips out. Uh, you could probably go to like MLB.com and find the DeRozan segment. And obviously, again, John Boy's got his uh, breakdowns on YouTube. Where they just talk about pretty much the same things in different ways. How Rizzo is just constantly making adjustments uh, at bat to at bat, pitch by pitch. Choking up, uh, moving up in the box, you know, adjusting on a 3-2 count. Um, making adjustments to lefty pitchers, to righty pitchers. He's constantly doing things and, and tweaking things to to find an advantage. So that, that's pretty much what DeRozan and John Boy were saying. Again, two separate segments, but I, I think it's definitely worth tuning into. Um, but that's like that's why I like him. That's my kind of hitter, a guy who makes adjustments, right? You hear all the time, all the time from Yankees fans and Yankees media that certain guys, like you'll hear, like these guys are who they are. Stop getting mad at Gallo, Stanton. They aren't going to change. Well, watch guys like LeMayu. Watch guys like Rizzo. They do change. They do. They do change their approach. <laughs> Learn something from real hitters, from actual 300 hitters. Like, it's annoying, dude. It's annoying. Like, I love watching actual hitters. I appreciate power. I appreciate the home run. But man, guys who can hit the ball and make consistent contact and keep the lineup moving, my favorite types. And that's why I love Rizzo. Because he's got the power, but he's got the ability to put it in play and keep it going. Also, that short porch could possibly give him 30 home runs again. He's already got eight. You know, heading into the year, I was expecting 20, maybe 25. Now I'm thinking 25 to 30 is, is a very real possibility here. He's the perfect lefty guy for the stadium, man. It's like, why do we not deal for this guy sooner? I, I've been asking for Rizzo, like, for for at least three or four years now. I have. But we went away from the whole lefty thing for a while. Talk about legitimate lefties. We did. But it's good to finally have one, and a good one, in Rizzo. You know? So, yeah, he had a great series. Six for 13. Seven RBIs. Um, and his season stats, batting 290 on the year with an OPS of 1.098. Eight homers, four doubles, 19 RBIs, nine walks at 11% walk rate, and 11 strikeouts at a 13% strikeout rate, which is awesome. Those numbers are like prime Rizzo numbers, like 27-year-old Anthony Rizzo put up those types of numbers. I don't expect him to hit 290. I don't expect him to lead the league in home runs and RBIs. But maybe my expectations were a little too tempered heading into the year. Maybe he could do a little better than, I don't know, I was asking, like I said, for like 240, 250, and 25, 20 home runs. Maybe he could do a little better than that. You know, maybe. He's been phenomenal so far, and I am appreciating every bit of it. And he's playing, we didn't even mention, he's playing some excellent Excellent first base defense. Even better than than the defense he played at first when he first came over here last season. I also think uh, Aaron Judge deserves to be featured as one of the players of the uh, series here. Aaron Judge this series in three games was 6 for 14. Four singles, two home runs, 
Five RBIs, five strikeouts, and no walks. He's got now 10 extra base hits on the season, five homers and five doubles. Um, he's finally looking like he's hot again. He was never having a bad year, but he kind of started off slowly, pretty quiet. But he's finally putting it together. The numbers on the season are pretty judge-like. Batting 296, 944 OPS, five bombs, again, five doubles, 10 RBIs, eight walks at 10% walk rate, and 20 strikeouts at a 25% K rate. So he had a great series. Um, he did drop that ball in right field today, game three. But other than that, glad he's looking good out there. He's looking healthy again. Knock wood. Um, and hopefully he continues this hot stretch and, and really goes off in the contract year. Right? Um, so Judge was good. I debated giving Stanton you know, a feature player. I only give it to two players and, and uh, one starting pitcher. But Stanton could have very well got one because he had a great series as well. He um, Again, he woke up. You know, he snapped the 14-game homer list uh, skid with the bomb in the middle game. Or was it the first game? I don't know. I think it was the first game. But, yeah, he's finding holes in the infield for singles lately. He's producing runs. Um, the home run the other night was 350 of his career. You know, I was talking with my brother about that. Um, we were saying how... You know, had he not gotten hurt, and of course the COVID season in 2020 shortened the season for him, he could probably be a guy who, you know, ends with 700, or at the very least 600, had he not dealt with so many injuries throughout his career. I would say 650 or something like that. Um, but I still think, like, maybe 500 is very possible. I think 500 is very possible. If he has another 35 to 40 home run season this year, maybe one more next year, and then still has, you know, 25 to 35 for the next few after, I think that's very possible. Yeah. <clears throat> but he had a good series. Um, and overall, he's got 13 RBIs and three home runs on the year. The home runs will come, uh, but the RBIs, it's good to see 13. Um, yeah, so he, he's just a streaky player. We know that. I used to get annoyed with it. I'm used to it now. Maybe it's just because we're winning at the moment, so the slump didn't seem as bad. Uh, DJ LeMayu was okay this series. Nothing crazy. Uh, the hit streak did end in the middle game. But the on-base streak, I believe, is still very much alive. Excuse me, is it 14 games? 14 or 15 in a row? Got to check, but he's doing well. He scored six runs this week. Walks, hits, got on base with an error. You know, guys after him, batting like Judge, Rizzo, Stanton behind him. Which, by the way, that is a hell of a top of the order right there for a pitcher to have to start the game off with. You're starting the game off every night with with that one, two, three. With DJ, Judge, and Rizzo, it's it's lethal. It kind of goes back to what I was just saying. Because yes, they all have power, right? DJ's got 15 homer power. Judge has 40 homer power. Rizzo's got 30 homer power. But they're all actually hitters, too. They're all hitters. They're real hitters. And that is so difficult to pitch to. 
when you don't have guys who just rely on the three true outcomes. You have guys who can actually hit. DJ, the extreme contact hitter. Rizzo, too. But Rizzo and Judge with the extreme plate discipline. Guys who are going to be patient, give you professional at-bats as well. Walk a lot. And on top of that, you got Stanton and Donaldson. So if Stanton and Donaldson can get it together, and I think Stanton will. Donaldson, I'm not asking him to be prime MVP Donaldson, but if he can become a guy who he was, you know, last couple seasons, if they can get it going too, it's a top one to five in baseball by far, in my opinion. But that's if. Um, it's a pretty damn good one to three, though. And Donaldson's shown some signs too, maybe, right? He's hitting it hard. The line drives are there. He's still got pretty quick hands. Um, a lot of walks lately, which usually mean you're seeing the ball well. Hence the line drives that he's been hitting. Um, he had a hit in each game of this series. An RBI, a walk. So maybe there's something in the uh, horizon there for Donaldson. Hopefully. I'm really hoping he can get it together. Because, yes, it is early. But, you know, the more you struggle, the harder it is to break out of it as a 36-year-old. Um, Gallo finally snaps out of his skid. The first home run of the series uh, was an impressive one. Which was also the first of the season for him. You know, when you see a lefty go to left center like that, it's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. Um, and, and listen, I'm going to root for the guy, okay? But like I've been saying, I'm going to get on him if he's not going to do the job. And it was never about specifically the slump for me. It's not about this this 115 slump that he's been in. Whatever it is. It's the fact that it's the type of hitter he is. Right? I'm the, just not a fan of those types. Like the type of hitter is what really bothers me. So even if he does work his way back up to back up to 200 and he finishes with an 800 OPS and 35 homers, 200 strikeouts, you know, the usual Joey Gallo type season, even if that's what he ends up with, it's still not my type. Like I'm not the biggest fan of that. I think we have enough of that in the lineup. So I'm never going to be the biggest fan of him, whether he's slumping or hot. I'm always going to root for him, but don't expect me to be doing a complete 180 unless Joey Gallo can suddenly hit 250 <laughs> and stop striking out 700 times. Um, but again, good series. All right, but we do have to be careful because, you know, Indians, Orioles, uh, we got the Royals up next for three. Also, like, let's ditch that narrative, please. Cone. <laughs> David Cone, this series, a lot he was talking about it. Kind of hyping the Orioles to be anything more than suck. <laughs> like, let's be real. They suck. The Orioles suck. All right, they lost 110 games last year, was it? Let's make sure I'm right there. Like, he was saying, it's like he was trying so hard to excuse, to make it seem like the Yankees were doing something super impressive. Let's see. Can I not go to, um... <coughs> Excuse me. Let me see if I can find it on the internet here. I'm pretty sure they lost 110 games. 
They were bad. Whatever. Yeah, they did. <laughs> exactly that. So, they lost 110 games last year. Even if... Okay, even if they don't lose 110, they're going to lose at least 90. So, if they win 20 extra games, which is a lot in one year, they're still going to be a terrible 90-loss team. So, I don't understand. the like. He was like, seriously, if you listen to him, he almost made me miss Beltron, and, and it, that was pretty rough. Um, but the Orioles suck. Let's be real, Cone. Let's be real. They're not good. They are still a gimme. He was saying they're no more. They're no longer a must-win series that you can just beat up and, and have them be your punching bag. No, they still should be that. They're still a very bad team. They made five errors. This is a triple-A, or as people like to say, quadruple-A team. They suck. And they're going to suck, and they're going to once again come in fifth place. Um, so I am glad we beat the Indians. I am glad we beat the Orioles, and I hope that we can do the same thing um, against the Royals this weekend. So let's make it three sweeps. Three sweeps would be great. I don't know. Let's focus on seven wins in a row first. Um, Nestor on a Friday night. Friday night Nestor coming up. Garrett Cole on Saturday, and then you've got Luis going back up on the mound on Sunday. Speaking of Sunday, is Domingo Herman just like not going to play this year? Is he still hurt? Not that I care. Um, good series, good series. <laughs> um, and and I think that's it. Had to break. Oh, I got a few more things I want to add. I want to talk about some outside things. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, let's head to our uh, final break first. And I got a few more things to add before we wrap this up. Stay with us. Be right back. Hey, guys. I hope you're enjoying this episode. But first, I also want to let you know I have another blog. The blog I'm writing for is on ultimatesportsnetworks.com titled The Bomber Bocker Blog. If you want to go subscribe to this blog, you should do so using my promo code 6A2841ERJC. Using that, you'd get a discount $7.99 a month to get the best Knicks and Yankees opinionated content around. Once again, guys, The Bomber Bocker Blog on ultimatesportsnetworks.com using promo code 6A2841ERJC, $7.99 a month. A custom wall tapestry is a surefire way to uplift any room's aesthetics with a personal touch. This 100% polyester wall tapestry comes with hemmed edges for extra durability while its mildew and water resistant properties ensure years worth of decorating bliss. The advanced tapestry printing techniques guarantee crisp detail even for the craziest of designs in any of the multiple size choices. You can select a size of 26 by 36 inches, 51 by 60, 68 by 80, and 88 by 104. 
These wall tapestries usually ship in 7 to 10 business days, and the price ranges from $24.99 to $69.99, all dependent on the size you select. The Bomber Bocker blog wall tapestries come in orange, gray, and black. But most importantly, be sure when purchasing a wall tapestry for the Bomber Bocker blog that you use promo code 6A2. 841-ERJC 682-841-ERJC Just go to ultimatesportsnetworks.com and click on the Shop MVP tab searching the Bomber Bocker blog and there you have it. So um, the other night, I think it was Kyle Schwarber gets thrown out of a game, arguing a call uh, that, of course, Angel Hernandez uh, made. (laughs) And usually when something like this happens, every time, really, when something like this happens, you always hear the conversation come up about robot umpires. I'm kind of, like, shocked. Not really shocked because this is the... uh, the younger MLB fan base is very much for all this progressiveness. So I'm not shocked at it, but I really didn't think it'd be this. Like, I feel like I'm like in the, in the 10% here that don't want robot umpires. I feel like I'm in the 10%. I just like, it's, it's mo- again, it's mostly the younger MLB fans advocating for this because they grew up in this era. They never got to watch, um, like they never got to watch on TV without the uh, implemented automatic strike zone, you know, the, that auto strike zone graphic that we have now. That's their every game now. Um, it, it's just like, that's their, uh, what else is there? It's, it's, we analyze every strike, every ball by them. It's like we're so used to being perfect. Everything's got to be perfect. No mistakes. Has to be fast. Three hours. Can't go longer than that, God forbid. You know, the auto strike zone. You can't heckle. You can't boo. We have the scouting reports on these umpires now on Yes Network. Every single game. We've got analytics for umpires that literally, we have literally analytics for every single call they make. Strike and ball. It's it's all so much. It's so much. Is it micro analyzing? Is that the right term? That we do. We expect them to be perfect. Human beings expecting other human beings to be perfect is where I draw the the, the line. Like that's that's the problem. We can't expect that. We want everything to be one hundred percent. No higher, no less. We have to have it perfect. Why? Why can't you leave it where it is? Why can't you let baseball, just like any other sport, be a flawed game? Why do you have to keep perfecting things just so you can make the game 100% perfect? And I put that in quotes. You don't need to be perfect every single time. In fact, that's why baseball is so beautiful. is because there are mistakes that are made. And that, that that's a part of it. That's a part of the human element. And we want to take all this away. 
There's something different. We always want to add something different. I know I sound like an old man. I know I sound like a baseball purist. I don't care. I'm speaking my mind, and this is how my mind. But the, the, the younger fan, I tell you, they want everything, everything to be just right. Maybe the game's not for you if you're if you're like that. Maybe it's just not for you. Maybe instead of trying to change the game to fit you, you should find another game that you fit. Nothing's wrong with the pace of the game. The, the problem with it is the way it's played, the strikeouts. Guys not adjusting like we were saying. Glorifying the home run to a point where we have actual fans out there who believe striking out is not a problem. And who think singles are not significant at all. Who think batting average is a completely absolute statistic. Like that, There's actual fans out there who believe shit like this. It's gone so far. We want everything to be perfect. Everything's got to do with computers and analytics and robots got to be involved. We have to have pitchcom, which there's there's at least two malfunctions with this pitchcom shit every game. Oh man, I'm just tired with the whole thing. I get it. There are some bad umps. But I'm not going to remove umpires because I don't I don't get my way. It's the most it's the most zoomer thing in the world. I don't get my way, change it to fit my needs. I'm sick of it, man. I'm also sick of the Mets. They're crying. They're bitching. Oh, we're getting hit by pitch too much. Oh, they're such babies, man. I can't stand the Mets. They're such babies. Didn't like two years ago the Yankees lead the league in getting hit by pitch? You didn't see them bitching and crying and throwing a pity party. Feel bad for us. We're victims. But I guess it's a very, you know, speaking of the younger generation, a very 2022 thing to do as well. Play the victim. The Arenado thing was a little much. Like, buddy, you didn't even get... That wasn't even that close to you. But still, they're crying about shit. Alonzo's acting like a tough guy. Oh, my gosh. Wow, I sound old. The Nets got swept. I was so thrilled when that happened. Mr. Durant. Going to another super team. What's the friend? Wants to play with his buddies, his friends, and... Another superstar and take the easy way out for a second consecutive stint. The Nets were all cocky because they got these guys. Oh, we're going to win. We're going to win. We're going to win. Super team this. <laughs> you gave away your entire team. You had a young, solid, promising team going in the right direction. You gave all that away for a short window with two superstars who get hurt a lot and don't play a lot of games. <laughs> I love it so much. Oh, I love it. I love it, I love it, I love it. Go Knicks. I actually think the Knicks have a better shot at um at getting there before the Nets win one. Fuck it, let's have hot takes. That's my hot takes. My hot takes. The Knicks will win one before the Nets. The Nets are done. They're toast. Um, Yeah, that was cool. Anyways, the, you know, a little bit of a random rant there. Uh, we're going to head to our... Uh, no, we're going to wrap it up. We're going to wrap it up with RJ's parlay, and we'll also do... Um, the NYY, NYK, MMA question of the day. Let's get to it. (laughs) 
All right, so in this episode for episode 361, our NYY NYK MMA question of the day is this Yankee legend won a batting crown in two consecutive seasons from 1939 to 1940. Who was it? This Yankee legend won a batting crown in two consecutive seasons from 1939 to 1940. Who was it? Let me know the answer wherever you can reach me. If you guess the answer but don't get it right, I'll let you know what the answer is in the next episode. If you do get it right, I'll give you a shout out. Let's wrap it up with uh, RJ's Parlay. Welcome to RJ's Parlay, where my degenerate self breaks down tonight's big parlay. If I miss, it's not surprising. If I hit, I'll probably lose it all tomorrow night, because that's how this works. Welcome to RJ's Parlay. Tonight's big parlay, well, one of them is still in the process. We had Philly minus one and a half spread, that covered. Phoenix minus two and a half spread, that covered. Philly and Toronto going for the over 209.5 points. That covered. And the one that's still going is Dallas, Utah over 10, 210.5. That might not hit. Um, it's plus 1,200 odds. We'll see. Um, Hold on one sec. We're starting to get choppy here. I'm trying to fix this. Fuck it. Um... I had one earlier. I had a, a little two two pick parlay on the Suns game. I had the Suns spread, and I had the over for that Suns Pelicans game, and both of them hit, and it was plus two seventy. I've been hot lately too. Like going back the last month, maybe more. I've been hitting on a lot, so it, it's good. It's all good. Uh, but I might lose this one. Fortunately, I didn't put too much down. But tell you what, I'm getting positive. I'm almost positive. In my entire account. But um, thanks for tuning in everybody. That's all we've got for this one. I'm your host RJ Carbone. Episode 361 in the books. And um, I'll see you in the next one. Alright. Ciao. This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. It's the best way to make a podcast. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm.